You'll get up every day and forget why you got up. PT, can you that water with you? And uh, you think your alarm clock woke you up. God woke you up. How many are thankful for life? In Him we live, we breathe, we have our being, and we thank the Lord for it. Let me not forget to welcome Mabel Volker, who's here today, invited by Bryant Pegues here today. Could you stand up and let the church just say hello to you? You, you don't have to stand. No, just wave your hand. Oh, you hear Christine? Stop speaking for us. She says she's going to stand. Yeah, give, it, give God the praise because she's standing up. Amen. Amen. Christine said, no, no, don't make her stand up. She said, I'm standing up. God give you the strength, you're going to stand, right? Amen. Isn't God good? Well, come on, rest of y'all stand up then too. Habakkuk. Because if I make her sit down and then stay, give the text, stand back up, she might look at me like Christine. All right now, preacher, don't push it down. Habakkuk. Now, those of you that were here last week, you already found Habakkuk. Those of you that were not here last week, you didn't know Habakkuk was in the Bible. But it is. It's at the end of the Old Testament. And so you get there with me. I tried to give you a little warning before the special so that you could get there and see it. Verse number one of chapter two. I will stand upon my watch, hope you can get near a copy of the Bible or observe it on the screens, and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me. Somebody say amen because God still answers Have you called anybody lately who won't answer? Isn't it frustrating to know they got your call and won't answer? My, my kids tell me it's called, they, they have you on red. That means the text message shows they read what you sent, but they still ain't responding. You know they saw it and didn't respond. Aren't you glad God don't keep you on red? He answers. Write the vision. Make it plain upon tables. He may run that read of it. There's so many messages here. We're going to get to them eventually. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. There's a message there. But at the end it shall speak. And not lie. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's coming. Now, now, here's the message. Here's the message. It's coming. But here's the message. Though it tarry, wait for it. Why? Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. How can you not love the Bible? Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. And will not tarry. Now is not forever. And may God help us to learn how to wait for it. Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Habakkuk is one of these 12 minor prophets in the Word of God whose writings are tucked away at the end of our Old Testament. The section of prophecy in Scripture combines the 12 minor prophets with the four major prophets. The four major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Major in the fact that they were inspired by God to write larger books in the Bible. And the minor prophets, just by inspiration, wrote smaller books. You've heard me say this on a number of occasions, and I will repeat it. It's not major because it's more important. It's not minor because it's less important, at least when it comes to the major and minor prophets. How many know that one word in the Bible is important? So Habakkuk is one of these 12. He's a contemporary of Nahum, Zephaniah, and Jeremiah, writing at the same time that these other prophets are writing. And his writing takes place at the time when Nebuchadnezzar, this this tyrant of a leader of the nation of Babylon, has defeated Egypt, and now he's headed to attack Judah. Judah is God's people. Judah is the southern kingdom of Israel. They are God's chosen people. By the way, Israel was God's people then, and Israel is still God's people now. They disobeyed God. Jeremiah had prophesied that Babylon would invade Judah. He would destroy the temple and send the nation into captivity. Jeremiah said it. Now Habakkuk is writing. His name means to embrace or to wrestle. And we're going to watch him in this book, Embrace and Wrestle. And by the way, some things that God gives us, some things we embrace and we wrestle. We accept them because they come from God, but we wrestle with the reality of what they represent. Verse 1 of the book tells us what Habakkuk is doing in his state of mind when he writes this book. He is burdened. That's how this book begins. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. How many of you know that we're living in a day and age when we see what's going on in the world, it burdens us. What's happening in Israel burdens me. What happens in our legislation burdens me. What's happening morally in America burdens me. The attack on marriage burdens me. The blurring of gender lines burdens me. Burdens me. The killing of unborn children burdens me. Same-sex marriage burdens me. What we're doing in our education system to target the minds of these innocent young ones burdens me. Drinking and drugs and gangs and violence burden. Listen to me. Racism and segregation and bigotry and vitriol burdens me. Churches that are shutting down, false teaching, heresy, the devil that's running around like he knows that he hath but a short time, that burdens me. I'm troubled by Christian people who see what I see and are not burdened. Habakkuk is burdened. He says, how long to God? How long? How long? He could not understand why God's people were living this way and why God seemed to do nothing about it. In verse 2 of Habakkuk chapter 1, Haggai says, how long shall I cry? He says, God, how long shall I call for help? And then he says, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out to thee. The first cry is to call for help. The second cry is to scream with a loud voice, with a disturbed heart. Haggai said, Habakkuk, we preached on Haggai so long, I keep saying Haggai. Habakkuk is saying to God, how long are you going to listen to me scream and ignore me? I wonder if there's anybody who would be honest enough on a Sunday morning at Crossroads Baptist Church to say, sometimes, Pastor, I feel like I'm screaming and God's ignoring me. That's what the prophet said. That's where he was. 
Violence and injustice and strife and sin and all sorts of shameful deeds were going on and nobody seemed to care. And God didn't even seem to care himself. So, so God is going to respond. You're crying out. You're asking how long. You're asking for clarity, Habakkuk. I'm going to answer you. Let me tell you, chapter number one, what I'm going to do. I'm working. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and I'm going to use the Babylonians to punish those sins that you just complained about. This wickedness that's going on among my people, guess what? I'm going to deal with it, but I'm going to use bad people to get good people. Are you listening to me now? I'm going to take the most wicked empire on planet Earth, and I'm going to empower them to judge my own people. Now, watch this now. Haggai, Habakkuk was confused when he first said, God, why won't you do something? Now, when God answers and says, what I'm going to do is raise up Babylon to judge my people, he's even more confused. And God, I don't understand. How in the world are you going to raise up wicked people to get supposedly godly people right? These ruthless, arrogant, idolatrous, immoral, godless Babylonians to be used by God? Don't, don't get it twisted, folks. God wants you to be right, but he's willing to let people that do wrong get you right. And so Habakkuk's going to struggle with this. He's going to try to balance wicked prosperity and righteous oppression. Righteous oppression and wicked prosperity. People going up to do wrong and people going down that are supposedly right. And this confusion and this calamity that Habakkuk is trying to work his way through. He's embracing God, but struggling with God's answer. The Apostle Paul said, I have a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. Theologians have speculated that it was perhaps failing sight, that he was going blind. We just know it was a thorn in the flesh and described this way, a minister of Satan to buffet him. What do you mean to buffet him, to annoy him, to, to bother him, to, to beat him down? Now watch this, Paul said, I got something that the devil is using to beat me down and I asked God three times to remove it and God said no. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to understand something. God can love you and say no at the same time. So here's his answer to Habakkuk. You got to trust me. You got to believe me. I'm talking to somebody this morning who's struggling with reality. Listen to God talk to you. You're struggling with reality. You're struggling with the fact that people that cheat on your job seem to get promoted and you're trying to do right and, and nobody seems to promote. You're struggling with the fact you can't get ahead. You're struggling with the fact you go back into the doctor and you keep getting bad news. You're struggling with the fact you've tried to do right by way of those that are underneath you and yet they're still doing wrong. You're struggling with the fact that things don't seem to be coming along the way you think they should be. You're trying to get through to God and the answer he gives you doesn't make sense. You're trying to embrace it because he said it but you have conflict with accepting it because it doesn't make sense. Ladies and gentlemen, God is too good to be uh, unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. You've got to learn when it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It doesn't match your plans. At the end of the day, you just got to trust him. So his response to Habakkuk is this, I'm going to move, 
I'm going to do it. It's going to happen just like I said. But though it tarry, though it linger, delay, and hold back, wait for it. Signify by an amen if you're going through something in your life that requires you to wait for it. Waiting's not easy. How many of you know it's more than just eating a Snickers? Huh? It's more than just sitting down and playing a video game on your phone. Listen to me. Most of us don't like to wait at a red light. We certainly don't have to, don't like to wait in a drive-through line, and God forbid you got to go to DMV. We just don't like to wait. You know why? Because when we wait, we feel like we're missing something. When we wait, we feel like we're losing time. When we wait, we feel like things should move faster. When we wait, we feel like other people are more important to us. When we wait, we feel like people don't understand the urgency of our problem. But I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Word of God. God knows what he's doing and God knows what time you need it to be done and God is saying to the body of Christ in these last days though it tarry wait for it somebody sitting in the building and you've prayed and you've cried and you've tried and you've and you've you've begged God and it seems like the prayer is never going to get answered and the situation is never going to get solved and the predicament is never going to move and the health is never going to improve and I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen though it tarry Wait for it. Isaiah 40 and 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait on the Lord. Psalm 27. And be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. Somebody's got to just park there for a little while and know. I'd rather wait on God than let the devil come right away. So today I just want to investigate. A few variables employed to keep you waiting. Because I'm going to tell you something today, beloved. Too many believers have messed up their lives by being impatient. Huh? Let, 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 let me just talk to somebody this morning that's just getting tired of waiting for a spouse. You'd rather go through life wanting something you never had rather than having something you never wanted. Wait on the Lord. Many people have messed up their lives picking the wrong spouse, marrying the wrong person, trying to keep up with something they drew up on a napkin at Cracker Barrel, trying to make sure their life plan added up. I was going to get married at this time. I was going to be out of debt at this time. I was going to be retired at this time. I was going to have this mansion at this time. I was going to have grandkids at this time. I was going to be going to, going to uh, the Bermuda at this time. Ladies and gentlemen, you can plan it all you want to, but somebody's got to wake up to the reality that in him we live and we breathe and we have our being. And when my plans supersede my God's plans, I need to put my plans aside and realize I may want it. It may look good. It may have sounded good statistically. It may work out in my favor. But God's plan is always the best plan for me. And though it tarries, somebody help me preach. 
I'm going to wait for it. Today I'd like to draw your attention to the acknowledgement of the Almighty. The acknowledgement of the Almighty. Turn back with me to chapter number one. And this is right on the heels of God's answer to Habakkuk about the Babylonians destroying Judah. I want to make sure that everybody understands me today, all of our young people. It's important for me as a pastor to make sure you understand the Bible. I can't get you to live something you don't understand. Everybody listening? So we're trying to be very clear in our explanation. Some people go to church every week, say, well, he sure preach. What do you preach on? I don't know, but he sure preach. I want you to understand that God's people, Judah, disobeyed God and God judges sin. If you don't get nothing from the message, get this, God judges sin. Okay, all these parents that say, I don't believe in disciplining your children. Well, God does because he disciplines his. When I don't believe in spanking, God spanks. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And if you are, if you are living like a fool and you ain't getting spanked, it's because God ain't your daddy. Because he disciplines his children, and the discipline from God as a father is a reminder that we're his children. And so he's dealing with Judah, and he's using wicked people to discipline them. And this is an irony that Habakkuk is struggling with. So God is now on the heels of giving him his plan of judging his people through wicked Babylon, he's going to give him something that's going to aid Habakkuk to wait on the Lord. Here it is, the acknowledgement of the Almighty. Pastor, what do I do when I'm waiting on God in a situation that doesn't make sense? You're going to have to acknowledge. You're going to have to tell the reins of your brains. You're not waiting on the president. You're not waiting on your parent. You're not waiting on your friend. You're not waiting on your preacher. You're not waiting on the bank. You're not waiting on the the, 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 the approval of the loan person. You are waiting on the Almighty. And ladies and gentlemen, when God is the one you're waiting on, he's worth waiting on. So notice the acknowledgement of them. Notice the declared perpetuity about God. I want you to get this. The declared perpetuity. Anybody know what perpetuity means? It, means just, it just means it keeps on going. It, it never ends. Look at, look at Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse number 12. Would you in the text? And listen to Habakkuk's testimony to God. This is, this is Habakkuk saying this to God when God tells him what he's going to do with Judah through Babylon. Look at Habakkuk, verse number two. Sometimes you got to talk out loud, not for God to hear it, but for yourself to hear it. Somebody help me preach. Sometimes, listen, I just need to get to church so fast I can preach. I need to hear from the word of God. Sometimes you need to hear from yourself about yourself. Somebody said, keep me accountable. I said, I'm not around you enough to keep you accountable. Well, how am I going to keep you to keep yourself accountable? How do I keep myself accountable? You get in God's face and check yourself before you wreck yourself. You're the only person that's with you all the time. So here's what Habakkuk is rehearsing out loud. Art thou from everlasting, O Lord? Hey, listen, aren't you glad that the God that you're waiting on didn't just get born last year? Aren't you glad that the God you're waiting on didn't just get elected three years ago? Aren't you glad that the God that you're waiting on didn't just open a business in the middle of the pandemic? Aren't you glad that the God that you're praying to didn't just start trying to, to get his business going recently? Aren't you glad that the God that we serve is a God of declared perpetuity? He has no beginning. He has no ending. He has no start time. He has no end time. Nobody created him. He did the creating. 
nothing. He will not die. He will not quit. He will not resign. He will not get impeached. He will not get kicked out. He will always be. Listen, for as long as you can think ahead and then some, God exists. He is the everlasting God. And the next time you tell yourself, I can't do this anymore. I'm running out of patience. Just remember who you're waiting on. Declared perpetuity. You notice the distinct possession of God. I love the phrases in Scripture. So many messages in these minimal verses. Art thou from everlasting, O Lord? Oh, you see that? Art thou from everlasting, O Lord? Next two words. Talk to me. No, 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 no. Talk to me like you mean it. Like, say it again. Say it again. My God. The word my is a personal possessive pronoun. It indicates ownership. Not that we own God, but that he belongs to us. Pastor, I just can't get my answer quick enough. Pastor, God just doesn't seem to be moving fast enough. Pastor, it doesn't seem like things are happening fast enough. I, 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 I needed what I needed yesterday. I needed God to come through last month. I've been praying about this for too long. I'm getting tired. I'm getting impatient. It seems like God's never going to answer. Remember the declared perpetuity of God. He's an everlasting God. But remember your distinct possession of God. He's not somebody. He's not just David's God or Daniel's God or Jeremiah's God or Isaiah's God or Moses's God or Abraham's God or Jonah's God or Joshua's God, or Gideon's God, or Adam's God, or Paul's God, or Timothy's God, or Barnabas's God, or John's God, or Peter's God. He's my God. And sometimes, sometimes the calamity in life clouds our perception. Somebody in the building is sitting in the building, and, and your struggle is that God has allowed someone to wrong you and seemingly been silent. They lying, God, when you going to talk up? They cheating, God, when you going to stop them? They hurting me, God, when you going to block them? They running me down, God, when you going to correct them? God says, sometimes you're waiting for me to act in order to get peace. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have peace because God moves. We have peace because God's God. And sometimes you're looking for, you're looking for the performance of God and you, you miss the possession of God. He says he's my God, mine Holy one, mine, mine holy one. Please, ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget that the God we serve is a God of de declared perpetuity and a God of direct possession. I remember as a boy when I stumbled on the reality as a four-year-old boy that got saved, as a nine-year-old boy that surrendered to preach, I can remember growing up in my teenage years when, when I began to read the Bible and I began to sit in church and I began to sing songs and I began to look at life and, and, and sometime in my life the light bulb clicked on that God, you don't have to be mama's God and daddy's God and brother's God and sister's God and preacher so-and-so's God. God, you 
can be my God. And I'm telling you why some people can't wait on God. They don't have a distinct, possessive perception of God. You're living your relationship with God through the testimony of some. you got to get your own testimony with God. Coming in here riding off somebody else's miracle. Running off of somebody else's prayer. You don't have to sing in the choir to sing. God just didn't give me the gift of singing. No, but he gave you a song. There's nobody like my God. Let me give you a couple more. The declared perpetuity of God. The direct possession of God. Look at what he says, mine holy one. We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Notice the discerning perceptive of God. The discerning perception of God, perspective of God, excuse me. The discerning perspective of God. Notice what he says. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. Almighty God, thou hast established them for correct. Now, this is the, you said, Pastor, what do you mean? The discerning perspective of God. God is the only one who can be so loving to make sure I'm taken care of, but so wise to know it's best for him to use some bad people to get my supposedly good self right. You've you got to have discernment to do that. You, you, listen, listen, listen. You and I can't be going down in the hood finding somebody with a gun and saying, there's a church member get on my nerves on Sunday. Can you come with me to church on Sunday? And when they look at me sideways, can you pull out your gun? Pop, pop. No, you can't do that. You can't go get a bad person to judge a righteous person because you're not God. But God's got a mind so good that he can take Babylon. And Babylon's got their own. But by the way, he's going to deal with Babylon too. Aren't you glad that even though God is using Babylon to get Judah right, that doesn't mean Babylon gets off. Somebody help me preach. And he said, I don't know why my boss keeps picking on me. It may not have nothing to do with the boss. It might have something to do with you and God. God may let the boss get on your nerves because you ain't right with God. You get right with God, maybe God will get that boss right with you. And this is the discerning perspective of God, that he ordained them for judgment. We may say Nebuchadnezzar that eventually he's going to put down in the grass and have them crawl around like a beast. God handled him, Nebuchadnezzar. And he'll handle your enemies. Amen. Notice the directing power of God. Establish them for Correction. Hmm. We, we struggle with conflict. We struggle with war. There's, there's, I, I wouldn't dare dive into the political arena today and spend propaganda from the pulpit. We've got enough. How can I say this kindly? We have enough idiots doing that <clears throat> that are using the pulpit as a bully board for politics. You got a TV, right? You got the internet? You don't need to come here to get politics. 
I'm not running for office. I'm not trying to tell you who to vote for. You read your Bible. The Holy Ghost inside you can tell you who to vote for. Tell you one thing, the ballot, when it comes to life, there's only one name on it. His name is Jesus. It's not a choice on who you vote for. It's a choice on whether you'll vote for the only one on the ballot. But there's a lot that we struggle with when it comes to conflict and war. Because innocent people die, even when the good guys win. And, and there are those who are going to lose their lives because of the wicked actions of leaders. That's why, that's why the people of God don't need to be in a hurry to be in charge of stuff. James said, be not, be not many masters. The word masters there in the book of James chapter 3 is the word teachers. You know what James said? Stop rushing to be a teacher because when you get up in front of the classroom, the class is going to hold you to a higher standard than they did when you would, somebody help me, when you were just a student. Let me teach. Let me teach. I can show you how to do it. Let me teach. You always, you, you, I mean, used to know I was teaching class. I would be somebody raising their hand. Who knows how to do it? Ooh, 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 ooh. Come on up here then. You take your kids out in the pulpit. Ooh, you should see what my child knows how to do. He can say his alphabets backwards. Oh, yeah, this is the smartest child. Say them, Johnny. Okay, Z. Z. Why? Why? Johnny, you know you were saying it. Say that on Z, Y, X. Say it. You say it all the time at home. I'm telling y'all, you should see him. He be saying it all the time at home. Everybody looking at you. Boy, I don't even know him forwards. You trying to tell me. Stop putting yourself on the spot, child of God. Be careful when you're in a rush to be in charge of stuff. To whom much is given, much should be required. Why don't they put me in front of stuff? Not because we're trying to hold you back from growing. We're trying to shield you from scrutiny. Somebody told me one time, sat in my office, uh, I'm called to preach. He hadn't been, the, the, the guy had uh, all kinds of crazy doctrine about him. And, 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 and he'd come sit in my office and said, I don't know why you don't have me preach at church. I said, they don't want to hear you. I wasn't being rude. This pulpit is not a place for you to try out preaching. You know, I'm really not good at it. You just give me a few spots. Let me tell you something. Every time you get behind this desk, somebody out there is trusting God for spiritual livelihood. We don't have time. Listen, if you want to try out preaching, go get you a few Cabbage Patch dolls in a room somewhere and just preach at them and put a, put a phone up there and go back and critique yourself. But when you're in the house of God, this is not a place for you to sow your preaching oats and see how you do in whether or not you want to make a career out of it. This is a place where God has to speak to the man of God. He has to give them what God has given them. Them, and I take it too seriously to just drop it to somebody who's hungry for spotlight. And oh, by the way, there's a whole lot of other stuff about you that if I put you up there, they'd be looking at that too. Spotlight is a whole lot more pressure than it is pleasure. So God knows what he's doing. He's discerning. He's discerning. And he's directing. 
you have established them for correction. Some people struggle with believing in God and his authenticity because if he were God, he wouldn't let people die. He wouldn't let crazy people run in and shoot up places. He would not let natural disasters wipe out communities. And people, they, they struggle with believing that a God who's good could let bad happen. Here, here. I didn't come to you today to bring you into this auditorium and try to logically explain why God lets natural disasters happen. But I did come today to factually explain to you that even though I can't understand why he does, I know he's wise enough to direct his power to allow good people to do bad things while allowing bad people to hurt good people. Well, why, Pastor? Why? Why does God allow it? Because he put two people in a garden and said there's a tree in the middle and don't you eat off of it because the day you eat off of it, you're going to die. And your great granddaddy and his wife Eve, she ate the fruit and gave it to great, great, great granddaddy Adam and sin entered into the world. And so the curse of sin passed upon the human race and every subsequent human being that was born since Adam was born a sinner bent towards sin and sin because man has a sin nature brings with it sickness and travail and natural disaster and murder and crime. So although God is not the impetus for sin, God allows sin because a God who hates sin does not create robots. And he lets people sin because he lets them make a free choice. But I'm here to tell you, he may seem like he's letting them act a fool, but his power is so discerning and directing. He knows how to take somebody up and lift them up to judge his people and take the same person he let get exalted for a little while and bring him down later. You just stay out of his lane. And let God be God. And stop advising him. Mm. I know you saw that, God. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that what our children do? Mommy, you going to let him go? I know you're not going to let him go. We never got to go. She getting the phone now? You told us we couldn't have a phone till we were 30. <laughs> they get that for Christmas? <laughs> Could I tell you children something while I'm thinking about it? Parents are discerning enough with their children to know that just because one child had to wait till nine doesn't mean the other child might not be eligible at six. We know our kids. Some kids, the moment they step one foot out of line, you got to yank them up and beat them down. Because they got that strong will. 
And some of them are just so tenderhearted, all you got to do is go. And meanwhile, a little equal opportunity over here is going. I got beat for saying that. You were more wicked. Now, parents are not perfect. They make mistakes. They trust older siblings with the authority to discipline you when those older siblings do not have the wisdom to do it properly. (laughs) But they're human beings. Cut them some slack. We know our kids, don't we? And let me ask you a question. If human parents know the difference in their children, what you think the good, good father knows? God, you, you going to keep letting my boss do me that way? Yes. Yes. Because I'm trying to get this lost man to get a hold of your attention so your saved self will stop acting lost. Okay? Judgment has to begin at the house of God. Okay? So stop going out in the world and telling the cop while he's writing up your ticket. Look at all them people speeding by. Just look at all them. Look, they just driving past, just driving past. You ain't stopped none of them. Look at them. Look at, look at, look at, look at. Look at all them white people driving by. You didn't stop none of them white people. Are you just a black man looking for a black man? Sir, how fast were you going? 73, but they're still. It's a black man just picking on the black. You're speeding, man. You're speeding. It's not a black thing. You're driving too fast. You could have been green. It's too fast. You out there trying to fall on the ground. Video this, video this. They stopped the innocent black man. How fast were you driving? Say, oh, man, I'm putting my phone. You messing up my storage recording you. And that's how we do. We want to tell the authority how he needs to judge everybody else. Here's what God said. I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to take crazy Nebuchadnezzar and get a hold of your attention. Because maybe if I use a crazy man, to judge you, you might quit acting crazy yourself. Can I get an amen? Amen. Our Father, we struggle sometimes. And Habakkuk is our exposure to the humanness of man's thinking. We're so quick to cry unfair, 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 unfair. You never said you were fair. You said you were just. You're maintaining the standard of your righteousness. And we're so busy instructing you on how you need to do everybody the same Instead of thanking you that you know our frame and deal with us accordingly. Pastor, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven and I know it because I've done what the Bible said. Would you put your hand up? I'm saved and I know it and I've done what the Bible said. I've accepted Christ as Savior as the Bible says. So that's why I know I'm going to heaven. Your hands up 
and God bless you. Put your hand up. Pastor, I don't have time to ask you 12 questions about the message. Let me just ask you a general one. Pastor, God spoke to me in the message. Would you put your hand up? Come on, all over the building. Good gracious. Now, come on, make your seat an altar right there. Bow your head right where you are. Talk to God. You don't, listen, you're going to spend all week long shook up and bent out of shape because God keeps letting stuff happen that he shouldn't allow. And God keeps letting mean people mistreat you. And you dealing with this used to be friend, this ex, this and this former job and this decision that didn't come down your way and you just can't understand why how in the world God could let the job determine that conclusion. And now you can't now you can't you can't do what you're supposed to do because you're too busy telling God what he's supposed to do. No wicked person rises to power without God allowing it. No righteous person is oppressed without God allowing it. Great verse in Genesis 18. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Shall not the, this is this is Abraham's conversation with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's what he concluded: Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He said, Here's what I'm gonna end with when I can't figure out things. I just know God's gonna do right. He's gonna do right. That's what he does. I rest in that assurance. Last question. Pastor, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Listen to the question. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven but I'm positive I don't want to go to hell. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that? Would you let me pray for you? Anybody like that? Let me pray for you. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I'm positive I don't want to go to hell. Just slip your hand up long enough for me to pray for you, long enough to see it. Anybody? In the balcony, anybody? God bless you. Thank you for being honest, and thank you. Thank you. Now listen to me. In just a moment, one of our leaders would be glad to show you in the Bible how you can know you're going to heaven. Listen, it makes no sense to go home here unsure of where you're going. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here today and you'd, you'd like someone to show you how you can know you're going to heaven, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you just quietly, heads are bowed and eyes closed. We're doing it in the least embarrassing. I'd just like you to to go out to the foyer and let us get one of our workers to help you if you're interested in that. Just leave your seat right now. You say, Pastor, I don't know I'm going to heaven, but I sure would like somebody to show me. Would you? Oh, you'd be glad you did. We've all been there. Would you leave your seat and just go right now and let somebody show you? Would you? Don't be embarrassed. The person beside you would be glad to go with you or move out of the way so you could find out how you can know you're going to heaven. Would you? Christian, would you pray all over the building? Would you? that anybody not sure of salvation would let us show them today. While they're praying, how about it, would you go? We'll wait just a moment. There'll be someone there to meet you if you'll just step out discreetly and say, I just want to know what the Bible says about going to heaven. Yes, get one of our ladies there to help, please. 
praise the Lord. Church, someone just went to the foyer to accept Christ as Savior. Let's give God the praise all over the building. Shall not the judge of all the earth do it? Wait, wait a minute. How, how, how's God going to reconcile all these people in, in foreign countries and in the bush that will never hear the gospel? Listen, shall not the judge of all the earth do it? You don't think God knows that people need the gospel? He's going to figure it out. You've got to have, you have a rest in his directing power and his discerning perspective. You're going to have to... You're going to have to learn how to let your belief determine your behavior and not the other way around. Fact before feeling, not feeling before fact. Principle before passion, not vice versa. Anybody listening, say amen. Now, Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that it's helped us and done a work in us. Help us to be better as a result of that. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. All God's children said.